if you read your pastor's pen, it make mentions it makes mention there that we're going to be covering back again in First John. So far, we've covered all the way to verse 17. Today, we're going to be covering verses 18 and 19. We're getting back, hopefully, like President Bush said, to normal. Amen. And we want to keep abreast with that as well. And we've been covering this, if you remember. Those of you that are new in the church, uh, I guess the last month or so, even before that, we've, uh, of course, been rudely interrupted, disrupted by uh, uh, all you that Hayburn are heavy. Bin Laden, hallelujah. Huh? And, uh, but we've been covering verse by verse the book of First John. And today we're going to get into verses 18 and 19 of chapter 2. That's where we left off. Do you have it? Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard, that the Antichrist is coming. Well, wouldn't it be heavy that we're here in this scripture? That we left off right here? Uh, <laughs> the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. You may be seated. The title of my sermon here for today is, and I've already gotten a few, uh, how could you say, uh, confirmations. And you know how I often say that I like to make sure and get confirmations, especially coming back uh, uh, to First John. Uh, but when I started reading verses 18 and 19, we left off and talking about Antichrist. I said, wow, you know, that's where we're at right now, too. We could be at. And then talking about the last hour, we could be there as well. As, not only as a nation... But as a world, as, 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 as a, you know, as, as a people, we could be ushering in the, the period of Antichrist. We could be in the last hours, so to speak. But I also heard the name Arsenio mentioned. And I heard the name uh, uh, talking about Vossum because I'm going to, I don't think, I, I looked at Aniva when I walked in and I said, uh, I don't think there could be maybe a better sermon for Vossum, uh, a plug for Vossum. Uh, for Lenny and, and, and those of you that are involved in, you know, uh, God's word, than today's sermon, because we're going to be talking in, in reference to the word of the, the Lord. But the title is "Heresy Equals Hair I See." Okay. Now, by that I mean, you ever heard the term that people try and Christians try to discuss how many angels sit at the end of a of a of a pin? You ever heard that? People say, oh, people discuss how many angels can sit at the end of a, of, a, uh, you know, of a pin or of a needle. And then somebody else says, yeah, if you get in there and you're splitting hairs. They get involved in splitting hairs when they should be out winning souls. Uh, but a lot of people get like that. They're involved in splitting hairs and, 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 and you know, arguing and contentions and all that stuff. Uh, and Paul speaks about that a lot. If you took my class on the pastoral epistles, we mentioned this a lot. How there was a lot of heresy. Okay, and that's a heretic, and we're going to find out what a her heretic or what heresy is here this morning. So that's why I'm entitled, Heresy Equals Hair I See. In other words, we're looking at a hair, and, and we're getting all, you know, how many angels can inflate at the end of a hair, and 
we get all caught up in that stuff. And it's, sometimes it's, you know, it's important for doctrine, but we need to be out winning souls. Okay, so uh, in covering 1 John, the book can be broken up into five parts. So far, we've covered part one. We're going to enter into part two this morning. Okay, let me just make mention. This sermon here is not going to be easy to follow me, probably. I'll tell you why. There's a devil. Uh, that's why. But, but throughout the course, even if you're not following me, throughout the course of this sermon, because I've already preached to myself, somehow you're going to find out that you're still on the boat. Because there's going to be things that are going to really interest you. You're going to blow. Some of the stuff that I want to bring out today is going to be like, what's he talking about? What's happening over here? Just keep breathing. All right? Just because you're going to find out you're really on the boat. You haven't got off. Because it's going to be a real intriguing. I'm not going to say interesting, but it's going to be intriguing here this morning, dealing with heretics and heresy and all that stuff. Okay, so, so far, in verses, uh, 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 chapter 1, all the way to chapter 2, verse 17, the first section of the book can be broken down to, okay, maintaining fellowship. Remember that? We talked about relationships versus fellowship, and then the third portion was maturity in the first section. Maintaining fellowship. We found out in our study of 1 John that, uh, uh, there's a difference between relationship and fellowship. Remember that? Relationship was, for those of you that are new, this is very important. Relationship can be when you're saved. How many of you are saved and born again? Well, you're in relationship with God. You belong to God. God's your father. But though you are saved and born again, though you are in relationship with God, you are not necessarily in fellowship. Especially if you come here and you don't really get into God's word. You don't really, you're not fellowshipping with God. You're not in real prayer with the Lord. And we've mentioned, and I used the illustration, which is a good illustration, which was Esteban. Esteban is in relationship with me because he's got my name. Steve Pineda Jr. Uh, but many times he's more in fellowship with Lenny than he is with his father. Because he lives with Lenny, he doesn't live with me. So we're in relationship, but we're not in fellowship sometimes. More often than not, hallelujah. Uh, he should come and pray to me. No, I'm just kidding. Hallelujah. Uh, but we need to be more in contact. See, and that's the same thing with God. Some of you can be in relationship with God. We've already learned that in, in 1 John. But you're not in fellowship. You're not walking with God. He walks with me. He talks with me along life's narrow way. Sometimes you get on the broad way. Hallelujah. Now, what's a Christian doing on the broad way? Ah, oh, ay, ay, ay. The neon lights are bright. Too bright at night. No. But today we're going to be getting into the second section of 1 John of 5. We're going to be dealing with today maintaining truth. We covered maintaining fellowship. Now in verses 18 and 19 we enter into a new section called maintaining truth. See, the job of every Christian is to declare and to demonstrate truth. That's our job. Let me read it again. The job of every Christian, if you're a Christian, this is your job. Okay? To declare... And to demonstrate the truth. you got to know what the truth says. Right, Rossum people? Hallelujah. Uh, you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Very important. What you believe is very important. Because usually actions spurn off of what you believe. So belief is so vital. So important. And we're going to be dealing with that truth here today. See, to veer from genuine biblical Christian teachings and beliefs is a big word called heresy. To veer from genuine, biblical, Christian beliefs and truths, when you do that, you become a heretic. 
It's, called, it's a word called heresy. And we're going to be dealing with that here this morning. Okay? That's the subject we're going to look at. Thus, once the Apostle John, once he deals with the issue of fellowship, uh, then he gets into the area of maintaining truth. That's what we're going to be doing here this morning. Now, in the rest of the chapter, chapter 2, we find a study between truth and error. That's what we're going to deal with here, the rest of the chapter. Truth and error. Okay? Heresy. Now, the first thing John says regarding heresy is found in verse 18. Let's turn to it again. Okay? Look at verse 18 of chapter 2 of John. We're going to be covering four things how to spot heresy. All right? Four things. If you're taking notes, right, number one, the first way how to spot heresy is found in verse 18. Let me read it to you. Our dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now, many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. Now, in the original writings, now you really got to stay with me here. I'm probably going to lose a lot of you. You think I'm going to lose you, but you'll get on, you, you really find out that you were on board still. In the original writings, all right, when John wrote these words, penned these words, it does not say, okay, uh, uh, the, it says a last hour, not the last hour. Did you hear me? It says a last hour. Though you could put the last hour in it. But in the original writings, it, it, we know that we are in a last hour, not the last hour. Okay? But what John is saying, because he knew what we know, that the Bible says in Matthew 24, 36, and in Acts 1, 7, that no man knows the coming of Jesus. We don't know the hour. Nobody knows when Jesus is coming. And John wrote that, these words, knowing that. So what John is saying here was that a last hour segment of history will be preceded by times of heavy heresy. I know I lost you. It's okay. I know I lost you. Because uh, I wrote this and I knew. I lost myself. Uh, but I stayed with it. I stayed with it. Uh, he's saying that a last hour will be, always be preceded, okay, by a heavy period or segment of heresy. That's how you know you're in the a last hour or the last hour. So a last hour segment in history, which comes in cycles, always will happen and occur when heresy appears on the scene. The word cycle is important to note here because the genuine, actual return of Jesus Christ will be ushered in by heresy first. Stay with me. By heresy first. But throughout the course of history, periods and cycles of heresy have occurred, but Jesus didn't return. Christ did not return. Keep breathing. All right. See, why didn't Jesus return? Well, you already know the answer. It's found in Matthew 24, 36 and Acts 1, 7. No man knows the hour. That's why he didn't return. People said, he's going to come here. He's going to come there. Oh, Jesus is coming. It's going to be the year of 1,000. It's going to be the year 2,000. He's coming. Uh, but no man knows. No man could, could know. See, during the times 
Okay? After Jesus' death, heresy arose. It, 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 it occurred. It happened. And that was the first sign of the cycle. Okay? As mankind entered into the last days or a last day. But my friend, though that was the first, there would be plenty more times of another a last hour. There's plenty of times when it's going to be a last hour. We're living in the last hour. We're living in the last hour. It happened throughout the 20 centuries that we've been alive. It happened. What, by that I mean, Jesus' time, there was a lot of heresy going on. That was the first time it occurred. Boom. Then in the 4th century, it happened again. Uh, then in the 7th, the 4th century is when, and if you study, you know, you go to school. I, I went to Bible college, so I know. It's called the Nicene Creed. In other words, there was a whole lot of heresy going on. Sounds like a rock and roll song, huh? Uh, back in the 4th century, they had a rock and roll song called, There's a Whole Lot of Heresy Going On. And they're going to sing it tonight. Uh, yeah, they will. Uh, James Fernandez probably come out with it, huh? And they didn't know what to do. And there was, you know, the people were, were, were you know, going apostate. All kinds of stuff were happening. So they had, uh, they had a, 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 a consul in Nice. And so they call it the Nicene Creed. When they said they got everything together, they said, this is the way it's supposed to be. When the word of God being canonized, that happened in the 4th century. So we get our word. Then in the 7th century, Mohammedism came in. Okay? Then also in the 9th century, the 10th century... And then in the 11th through the 13th centuries is when you had the Crusades. People going from Europe for about three centuries going into to Arabs like what they're doing right now. Downing Arabs. Because they were heretics. Then in the 15th century we had Martin Luther come up. Ah, Why? Because we needed him. He, he had to come against the, 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 you know, the, the, the Catholic Church, so to speak. He called the Pope the, the, the Antichrist. He says, oh, this guy's the... You know, there was a whole lot of heresy going on in the 15th century. The 18th century, we have German thought. My wife likes a lot of the German writers, and they're good. Uh, there's some powerful, I just gave her a book just the other day with about five powerful German writers. Okay, but they were splitting hairs. They were getting involved, well, I don't know about this, I don't know about that. And they, were, they became involved in heresy. Okay, then, in, of course, the 19th and 20th century, we have the Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, I mean, you know, they, they, they were always predicting Jesus is coming. He was supposed to come in 1850, you know, they said, oh, he's going to come. Uh, 1920 something, he's going to come. 19, you know, how about the book 1888 or 1988? Remember they were supposed to come again? That's heresy. Why? You already know. Because no man knows the hour. We're trying to pinpoint who's going to come right here. Ah. And then the Mormons. Ah, oh, the Mormons. Uh, I don't see the word bike in the Bible. Hallelujah. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, Christian science. The Christian science. This sounds good. The Christian science. Oh, wow. Um, see, all of these were cycles of heresy outbreaks. Did you hear what I said? They were cycles. It started with Jesus' time. After, he, after his death, people will rise and you know, call people under themselves. It began to happen. But that was the first cycle of a last hour. Are you with me? Of what? A last hour. All right. See, in all of those cycles of heresy, it looked to the people back then, as it does today, that Jesus was coming back. Back in those days, he said, Jesus got to be coming. Look what's happening here. Doesn't it look like that today with us? 
I mean, I, why will we be right now here in, in, in 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 and 19? See, that's what the return of Christ is going to look like. It's going to look like there's going to be an outbreak of heresy happening. And it's happening right now. It could happen right now. We could, instead of this being a last hour, this could be the last hour. Because the Bible talk, talks about the last days, and then it talks about the last hour. John is saying, right here, the last hour. He didn't say the last days. Uh, and we're, we're always living in the last days, too. But we could be in the last hour. That's why if you're not right, whoo Time is taken away. Uh. <laughs> See, but irregardless, if we are living in a last hour or the real last hour, uh, the thing I'm dealing with here today is the subject of heresy and how to spot it. Okay? Heresy and how to spot it. And many, you know, the, the number one way is that heresy will always uh, 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 pop up during times when it seems as if Jesus is coming back. That's point number one. Heresy will always pop up just before the return of Christ or when it looks like he's returning. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verses 1 through 9. So heresy always pops up its ugly head when things look like if Jesus is coming back. And that's the way it's supposed to be. It's a cycle. Here this verses of 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 9, they totally describe what the real last days or the last hour will look like. Are you ready? It describes everything how it's going to look like. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash. What's the name of that? What's been going on? What have they been giving to the white powder? Anthrax? Eight, what, how do they call it? That's rash. I'm just kidding, but that's not what it means. That's, that's heresy, hallelujah. That's taken out of context. Rash means that, ah, you know, they just make decisions real quick. All right. Conceited lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. I think that could be describing Bin Laden. Having a form of godliness. They come from Abraham. They, are, they come from Abraham. Uh, they have a form of godliness, uh, but they deny the power. Have nothing to do with them. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women, who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires. Always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these men oppose the truth. Men of depraved minds, who as far as the faith is concerned, are what? But look at this Ben Laden stuff here. Look at verse 9. But they will not get very far. He will not get very far. Because, as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. Let there be a scripture for Ben Laden. He's not going to get very far. Because sooner or later he's going to be exposed for what he really is. Because that's what people with involved in heresy always do. Uh, well, let's go on. Let's go on. It's going to get interesting. Now you're getting intrigued. I hope you are. I hope you're getting intrigued because this intrigued me. All right. Now we're getting going over here. 
Then the second thing on how to spot heresy is found in verse 19. Okay? Of, of chapter 2 of 1 John. Go, let's get back to it. A lot of Bible here today. It's found in verse 19 of chapter 2 of 1 John. How to spot a heretic. It says, They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. So the second way to spot heresy is that heresy will arise out of, write this down if you're taking notes, out of family. They went out from us. They're going to be part of the family, so to speak, at one time. Uh, the Jews and the Arabs, they're, 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 they were family. Uh, Ishmael and Abraham and, you know, Jacob. and They, they were family at one time. Uh, but they came out from among us. Christians and, and so-called Christians. Uh, you know, when I was first got saved about 28 years ago, 27 and a half years ago, the Jehovah Witnesses were, they were like, you know, but what a name, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. Does it sound good? Ooh, Jehovah. What is God's name? That was good. What is God's name? What is God's name? I am. Oh, no, 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 no. It's Jehovah. Because the people want to be right. That's how they get people. They, they want to, oh, we're, we're, the, we're the right ones. You're, the, you're, you're wrong. You're the wrong ones. Uh, but at first, they used to say, they, they didn't call themselves Christians. Now they say, they, they got, about 28 years ago, they started saying, oh, we're Christians. We believe in Jesus. So they started getting people more. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. That's how they get you in the door. Uh, but they have a way of closing it <laughs> once you get in. Uh, we're Christians. See, John is saying that heresy has its root in Judeo-Christian doctrine. That's what he's saying. That's how you spot heresy. It has its roots. It has its foundations in Judaic Christian doctrine. That's how it starts. And that is actually what the word antichrist means. All right? See, antichrist does not really necessarily mean against Christ. All right? Antichrist really means instead of or in place of Christ. Stay with me now. That's what antichrist means. It's not necessarily meaning against. No, because it came out of Christ. Okay, it's, it's in the place of Christ, instead of Christ. That's what anti means. Instead of or in place of Jesus. Okay? It's, see, that is what Antichrist is. It's someone who comes in the name of Christ, claiming to be Christ, but his or her teachings are contrary to Jesus' teachings. They claim to be Jesus, but they're veering from the teachings of Christ. When you analyze their teachings, they are not really biblical. Once you really get into it. See, their teachings come out of the Bible, but they're not really, really family. They were part of the family, but they broke off. They came out of us, verse 19 of John chapter 2 says. Uh, that is Antichrist. In place of Jesus, instead of Jesus being there. Christ himself spoke about this. Look at Matthew 13. Jesus himself spoke about this. It's found in Matthew 13, verse 24. Turn to it, please. He spoke about it in a parable. Matthew 13, beginning in verse 24. Do you have it? Jesus told them another parable. What does parable mean? Parallel. Parallel to heaven and earth. Because the things of heaven, sometimes we can't understand them. But when we parallel them to the things on earth, we can understand them better. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good, good seed in his field. That was Jesus. 
was God. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servant came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in the field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want to, us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles and burn them, and then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. Let them both grow together until the harvest. That's what the Bible speaks about here. That's what it's talking about here. Okay? See, these look so much like wheat. They, they look alike, the wheat and the tares. Okay, the weeds. They both looked alike. The, at first, you couldn't tell the difference. But at harvest time, the truth will come out. And we're going to deal with that in the next in two weeks when we deal with, uh, uh, with, as we go on. We're going to find out how you can tell. All right? Dealing with the anointing. Being separated unto God. That's how you can tell. But in the beginning, see, Jesus is talking here about what, what John is talking about. He's talking about, you know, they look to be really like Christ. And I've told you the story. When I first got saved, I was going to go to court. And uh, I think it was like they had told me when I got into Victory Outreach. They said, turn yourself in in 10 days. I turned myself in. I got up, went, got a ride to Santa Paula. Got up early to go to court, 9 o'clock in Ventura. And man, and how do we court at 9? Right around 8 o'clock. These people are, you know how prompt they are. You ever seen the Watchtower people? They're out there before the, the chickens. They wake up the chickens. They're out there with their book. Uh, but these people came, and they opened. And I, and I looked at the, the door where I was living, and I said, wow, Woody. Dad, Woody's here, the picture for the Santa Paula merchant. Hey, Woody, come on in, man. He had a Bible. I said, Woody, get on down, bro. I used to be your bad boy, Woody. Remember me? I said, I'm going to witness this. Jesus changed my life. I've been saved for five days. And, and he, Woody came in with somebody else. See, later on, I figured it out. They, they go in twos. They get the stronger one and the younger one. The younger one was Woody. The stronger one was real quiet. You know, you want some coffee? That's what they wanted to hear. Sure. They probably don't even drink it, you know. Oh, yeah, you know. They get right in there. And I said, oh, he's got a Bible. Man, Woody, oh, my dad's going to love this. Oh, man, my dad was a catcher. He was a pitcher, you know. And they started talking, you know, that 144,000, what's the name of God's name? And, and I'm like, and then my home director, because I was younger, I had a, uh, well, he was the assistant director. He was older. He goes, you know, he started, he started getting, dealing with them. And I'm going, what happened here? I love Woody. I love the guy. I love him. I love him. I love everybody. I'm going to go to court. I love the judge. The DA. I love everybody. God is love. Oh, I love, 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 love. When it comes to things of the Bible, sometimes love is not the issue. It's not the issue. There's other stuff. I tell people when I, I say, love is not the issue here, bro. I love you. But sit down. I won't deal with you right now. Uh, you hope you never get to that, please. Hallelujah. But so you know how I've had to deal with some people. I said, love is not the issue. Pastor Steve loves you. Hey, hey, hey. Sit down. Uh, we're not dealing with, we're not talking about love here. We're talking about hallelujah, the truth, the truth, maintaining the truth, John is talking about here. And I was like, oh, you know, finally, finally my friend who was the assistant director told 
my other friends, I'll never forget this. Ruben Pacheco, Joseph, he got up and he walks to my dad's door and he says, you got to go. And I was like, you cool? See, but what he was doing, he was protecting me. He said, this is a new sheep, man. You don't mess with this one. Uh, you don't mess with this guy. But they'll come in like that. Heresy. Uh, trying to mess with us. Spirit of Antichrist. Really what it is. Uh, that's, that's what's happening here. Uh, heretics, my friend. Uh, that, that's how you could spot them. And Jesus talked about them. Heretics are no new thing. They come in cycles. Cycles. The third way that John mentions how a heresy can be spotted is that they sound like us, but they change meanings. They sound like us. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm a Christian. Okay, that's the third way how you can, John says, oh, you can spot them in verse 19. Their terminology and their lingo sounds the same like us, but they substitute meanings from, from God's word. Notice. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Golly, that sounds good. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And if you're Filipino, Iglesia ni Cristo. Oh, you've seen that. You guys been to the Philippines? And they're over here now big time. Oh, Jesus was a prophet sent by God. They say, they say, you know, less than Cristo, but he's not really, really God. He was, he, he's, you know, he's not, all this, and they get a lot of people, and they split hairs in God's word. Christian science, ooh, sounds good. Christian, they got the word Christian ahead of it. Uh, so take, for instance, the word resurrection. Okay, they, they change the meanings of words. That's what they do. They, they have the right terminology, but they change its meaning. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that we will all resurrect bodily, bodily, in bodily form, just as Christ did. But there were some teachings back then, as there are today, regarding the resurrection, that resurrection is not really in bodily form, but in spirit only. That's heresy. Paul says, man, if I, I am all men most miserable if I'm not good. In other words, Paul is saying everything hinges on the resurrection. If, if not, he says, then you are yet in your sins. You're yet in your sins if you don't believe in the resurrection bodily form. When Jesus resurrected, I mean, he, he came, he says, touch my hands. What did he do? He ate fish. He got down, hallelujah. Uh, he said, give me. He got a little hungry. <laughs> He's already resurrected. Uh, can you imagine having that glorified body? You can eat all you want. I don't know if they're going to want me in heaven. <laughs> uh, can I have some more? You know? Ay, ay, ay. Resurrection, but they change the meaning. Then another word is evangelism. Okay, another term is evangelism. See, a number of people have taken the word totally out of context. They think that by giving out food, oh, you're evangelizing. No, it's presenting the gospel. It's propagating the gospel. It's trying to get people saved. So, well, no, we, you know, we, 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 we evangelized. Uh, even sometimes us just going out and passing out flyers, that's not evangelism. That's not evangelism. And I'm guilty of that many times too. Just, you know what? I, I, I stay amazed at my daughter. She, she, she rebukes me sometimes in love. Love is not the issue here though. Oh my God. <laughs> got me good. She says, Dad, you got to talk to them. She, I've never seen her give a flyer out and not talk to the people. So she was young. 
He's always like, oh, you want to come to the church? You, you know, you say, that's evangelism. But just giving out a flyer, that's the easy stuff. Remember that? that anybody can do that. Huh? <laughs> I mean, the people in South Africa wanted to give out flyers, and they were all messed up, full of drugs. Remember that? They wanted, remember, they wanted, you know, we'll pass out for you. They just wanted some money. Uh, that's not evangelism. They don't know what they're doing. Uh, but people take evangelism out of context. How about, how about the word prayer? They, they, they think sometimes prayer is just thinking. That's not real prayer. Prayer is a verb. It's action. It's work. It's warfare. It's power. But people say, oh, no. Brother, you don't have to be like that. I, I pray. Let us bow our heads. Shh. I'm thinking. You're disrupting me, brother. Brother, be quiet. I couldn't make it in the home. Uh, all they do is shando and a bag of chips. Hallelujah. Uh, see, but they... See, heresy, thirdly, is... Listen to this. It's evacuating out a biblical word and substituting other meanings in their place. You evacuate the real meaning of the word. You take it out. And you, in place of, you put something else. That's Antichrist. In place of. All right? That's, when you do that, you're involved in Antichrist. That's why he says Antichrist is already here. Because people are being taken heretics. They're taking the word of God out of context. They're replacing it in place of with, a, with another meaning. Then fourthly and lastly is that heretics eventually all pull away. That's what verse 19 says. They break away from mainstream Christianity. He says, they came out of us, but they did not continue with us. Jesus says, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But you got to continue. Don't stay with it. I often tell people, man, uh, because we have different sects of not S-E-X, S-E-T, S-E-C-T-S, guys, uh, uh, of, of, of Christianity. You know, you got the, the, the apostolics, how were you baptized? Uh, then you got the, well, the, the, the Jesus in the Seventh-day Adventist, who, when do you worship? How do you worship? Oh, brother, not, not the wrong day, oh, the Bible says. Uh, but I have to tell our people, especially when they start getting involved in, in, in learning the, the Word of God and stuff, I said, one way that you can almost, almost tell that they're real Christians is if they hang out at the Bible bookstores. That's how you can really tell. Uh, because if you continue in my Word, and you hang out over there, and you, and, you, and you demonstrate love. Yes, love is a big key. You demonstrate love. Brother, you might believe this Saturday, uh, but I believe Sunday. But we're brothers, man. Because the key is, and we're going to find that out in the next teaching in two weeks, the anointing. You're anointed. God has separated you. I know you're saved. Like the people, the Jesus onlys, you know, I mean, because they've messed with our flock a few times. They go, oh, you know, oh, brother, you know. We went into the Lord and they say, oh, brother, you know, how were you baptized? Uh, that's what we say. When we baptize you, we go to the name of the Father, the Son, Jesus. Uh, that's how I do it. And the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. Come on. Well, you weren't really baptized in the name of it because of the name of it, the name of it, you know. They get all this hair-splitting stuff. Uh, now, I believe they're, they're born again. They are. Because everything else, by and large, right. Plus, they came out of the assemblies, but that's another story. And right in the 1920-somethings, they thought, oh, we got it. Look, look, look. This is what it says. And they started splitting hair. 
Uh, can they, can, they, they do sometimes borderline in the heresy. They, they do. But the key is that they're saved, born again. So, you know. And then some people say, wow, you know, are we going to be pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib? When is Jesus going to come? We already told you, no man knows the hour. They'll say, oh, but it's going to happen before because God has not appointed us to wrath. That's what we believe. And other people, well, it could be the mid-tribulation because three and a half years, or the, the banquet, blah, blah, blah. Then the other ones, we're going to go through the tribulation. Well, I tell everybody, be it done according to your faith. No, 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 not on that one, not on that one, not on that one. I'm just kidding right there. Because uh, I believe we're going to go. If you want to stay, you want, hey, you know, three and a half years, stay. Uh, no, 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 no. Because no man knows the hour. The key is just to be right. Right and ready. That's the key. See, again, we could be living not in a last hour. We could be in the last hour. Because the spirit of Antichrist. I mean, things are happening right now. Woo. Um, if we were to be studying the book of Revelations, we're getting close. All that's left, by and large, in prophecy, according to the word of God, is the rebuilding of the temple. And most people don't know this. I'm going to tell you right now. You're going to find this out right now. Most people don't know what I'm about to tell you regarding the building of the temple. The, the, the Jews, Israel, has already built the brazen altar again. They have the golden candlesticks ready. They have everything ready that the minute the temple is built, whoop, it's ready to go. They have it all. The other furnishings are already done. They built them already a long time ago. All they're ready for is something to happen to the mosque that's built where, 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 you know, where it's not supposed to be. Because where the temple has to be, that's all that's left. And once the temple is built, phew, and then you already saw the movie here the other day, Image of the Beast. The, the beast is going to be sitting on the throne after a desecration. You know, all the desolation the Bible talks about in Daniel. But the temple will be built. And that's about all that's left before the coming of Christ. Uh, we could be in, again, not a last hour, because that was cycles. We could be in the final cycle. Maybe not, because there was a lot of things happening. But the way you can spot it, if we're in the last days, or a last day, is a lot of heresy. And boy, do we have heresy. And I don't really think God can take that. Uh, I think God can. See, the, the whole thing is based on God has everything under control. Everything has to be done according to God's word. That's why John was saying here, maintaining the truth. The truth. That's what we're going to be studying in 1 John. But the truth is that someday Jesus is going to come. And the way you'll know it is because there's going to be a lot of heresy preceding that. And there's a whole lot of heresy going on right now. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. Jesus, we could be in a cycle or we could be in the cycle. That precedes your coming. We cannot take chances. Christians live by faith, not by chances. Let faith surface here. Faith comes by hearing, hearing your word. There's people that need to get right here this morning with you, Jesus. May this be the hour before a last hour that they get right. This was a teaching. We've been involved, Lord God, in First John. But Lord, you know how to end it pretty. If we have truly gone from the last days to the last hour, then you got to be ready. Everything that is stated in the Word of God is true, and we got to guard it. And it will happen. The return of Christ will happen someday. It will happen. It's important that you get your life right with God. That's true evangelism. 
presenting to you the gospel. The gospel changes lives. That's real evangelism where you see lives changing. We're giving you evangelism here this morning. Where God's word can come and penetrate and his spirit can work together to come into your life and change your life. Make it a new, fresh, vibrant, purposeful, full of spiritual vitamins. Heretics take the vitamins out of the word. That's what they do. They take the vitamins out of the word. They water it down. But God's word is truth fully, totally. Full of power and might. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, you say, Brother Steve, God has ministered to my life here. And I know that I need to get right and stay right. If you continue in my word, I need to continue in God's word. And I'm having trouble. If that's you this morning, you want me to pray for you, I'm going to ask you very quickly from all those places to stand to your feet right there where you're at. Right there, stand to your feet right there where you're at. You're, you want me to pray for you. you. Say, God, minister to my life. And I want to make sure that I continue in God's word. And I need to stay right. Get right and stay right. Get right and stay right with God. I want to fight for what is right and truth in God's word. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Anybody else? Is every head is still bowed, and every eye is still closed. Many are standing, and God bless you for that. God bless you. But I'm going to wait just a few seconds longer. And you need to get right with God. You want to stay in the truth, and you want me to pray for you. I'm going to ask you to stand and join these that are already standing. Anybody else? This is my last call before we pray. I'm going to ask you to stand your feet with these that are already standing. Join these and we're going to pray for you as well. Hallelujah. Anybody else? As we do a song here, I'm going to ask everybody that is standing, we have a few minutes, to slip out of your seat and come and stand here at this altar. Quickly slip out of your seat and come and stand at this altar. I want to say a prayer for you this Sunday morning. When I enter into the glory Say quickly come. Those of you that are standing, quickly come. Let me pray for you. Let me be changed. That's it. Quickly come. As I draw near to the presence of holy God, send down. Send down your Stand your feet, please. Stretch your hands for this way. We're going to pray right now.